Welcome, movie buffs and entertainment enthusiasts, to another exciting episode of Let's Be Real. On today's show, we're going to be covering the box office report, the Fantastic Four apparent castings, Barbie 2 possibilities, who will be taking home the box office crown for 2023, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman is apparently still in the DCU, the trailer for Loki Season 2, and for our grand finale, we'll finish off looking at the early Oscar predictions and see how that is all lining up. I'm your host, James, for today, and I have the privilege and pleasure and honor and all the other adjectives in the world <laughs> to be joined once again by Nan. How are we doing, man? Good, mate. Good, mate. It's been a decent weekend. Yeah? What did you, you get up to besides all the movies we saw? <laughs> besides all the movies we saw? It's like four, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, about four. Uh, well... You know, the usual sports and then just chilling, really. Yeah. Went to my sister's and she made turkey pie and I was like very full for that movie last night. That's good. That's good. Yep. Yeah. Good to be satisfied during a movie. We got to watch the All Blacks play. We did. Yeah. It's a we scary did. game for you, eh? It was. Yeah. I, I've, yeah. Thank God that we pulled through and ended up winning it. There, uh, the uh, squad for the World Cup just got announced. So. Oh, did it? Yeah. Today? Yeah, like just before I walked in. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. So, um, I'm happy with it. There's just one name that I don't recognize, but... So. Stevenson. He's not in it. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I'll definitely be checking that out before um, I go to bed tonight because I'm very curious. I'm getting starting to get amped up for Agri World Cup now, <laughs> as I usually do. It's the only rugby that I really like. Um, but yeah, no, we've finished off the film festival. It's been a pretty uh, intense week for us, just with all content and everything. And expensive, thanks to parking. Oh, man, don't even talk about that. The city kills you. It does. Uh, we need to go to Hollywood Avondale next time. <laughs> uh, but uh, good to be part of the festival again. It's been a few years since we've really been a part of it. So, yeah, yeah this one was good. And we saw a few movies and we're going to be reviewing them after this podcast. And we'll have them up throughout the week. Some of the highlights we saw were Past Lives, uh, May, December, and a neat little uh, Japanese film called River. So. Uh, be on the lookout for those reviews coming from us shortly, and we'll be talking all about them. Um, but yeah, we're going to dive straight into the action here. We want to hear from you guys. Slide into our DMs on Twitter and, you know, give us your suggestions or topics you'd like us to cover. You know, we can do anything. Uh, lists, best animated movies, all that kind of stuff. We've already done animated. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do top six animated movies. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we can talk about anything, discuss it here. Um, now, if you're wondering what we look like, trust me. You're in for a treat. We look way better than we sound. So if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, that is the best way to uh, support us in our endeavor to get onto YouTube. We obviously need um, a little bit more support to really kind of make the, the financial investment to take that kind of leap. So supporting us goes a long way and we really do want to get there eventually. Um, for more exclusive content, though, you can jump over to our website, moviegames.com. From there, we do everything such as box office predictions, movie reviews, physical media reviews. We also cover the best sellers there, and we're going to start doing our Oscar predictions as the festival circuit begins. So yeah, a shout out to you guys for listening to us today. We appreciate being a part of your day, and we're here to entertain, inform, and provide bad movie recommendations. So without further ado, let's get to it. Are you ready, Nan? Always. Always ready. He's always amped. All right. So, we'll start off with the box office report for the weekend. It's the third weekend of the Barbenheimer stuff, but we have two new players in the field. So, we've got a pretty stacked uh, weekend here. So, I'll run through the top five domestically. So, Barbie came in at 
million. Meg 2, The Trench, came in with 30 million. Oppenheimer came in with 28.7 million. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem <laughs> came in at 20 million. Such a long title. And at fifth place, Haunted Mansion, I think that dropped like 60 something percent with 8.9 million. Now, on the international side of things, Barbie was down 47% to 74 million. Uh, Meg 2 opened to 112 million internationally. I think it was around 140, 150 something globally. But 53.3 million off the 112 overseas was all from China. Uh, Oppenheimer was down only 31% for 52.8 million over its third weekend. Uh, Korea, China, and Japan release dates are coming soon for that. So that can still lig it out a little bit. Uh, some milestones over the weekend. Barbie passed the billion dollar mark. And it was the 10th fastest, fastest to do so. Uh, it's tied with the first Avatar, the highest grossing film of all time. And Star Wars The Last Jedi for, I think it was 19 days to get to a billion. A uh, bar billion, sorry. Um, Oppenheimer <laughs> surpasses. <laughs> Oppenheimer surpasses Dunkirk and 500 million. And it's on track. Uh, it's on track to be the highest grossing film that will never be number one at the weekend box office. I think the one that is currently first place is Sing, that opened behind uh, Rogue One, and it has like two hundred seventy million dollars. It's a bit of an unusual stat, but it's like it's insane that a movie can make two hundred seventy million and never have been number one at the weekend box office. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but also, Oppenheimer will be. Uh, it's looking like it can get to. Or close to the highest grossing Nolan movie that doesn't have Dark Knight in the title. Uh, so, yeah, Nayan, lots to lots to digest here. The the top four all over 20, 28 million. That's pretty pretty of a stacked weekend. Well, what are your thoughts on everything? Yeah, I'll start with number five, Disney Disney shit. <laughs> <laughs> They've had a shocker of a year, eh? Good. Uh, That's what they fucking get for trying to like push so much movies on us and not caring about quality anymore. These are the results. So, yeah. Fuck you, Disney. That's what you get. Jeez, he's on a rap <laughs> show. Did you have a good day today? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. All right. That explains it, everyone. <laughs> I'm surprised about Meg 2, to be honest. I didn't think it would open that high. Mm. I thought it would be probably, yeah, both internationally and domestically. I thought it would be a, lo- a bit lower, a lot yeah. lower for international, but then mm. China. So yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Um, I was really thinking that Oppenheimer would take out that second for the third week in a row. Mm. Barbie dropping to 53 million is still great considering it was only at 90 million yeah. um, last weekend. Yep. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm glad that did mm. well. Uh, 28 million. Man. It's, yeah. They had a five day weekend because it opened on the Wednesday. Yeah. So I think it's around 43 million for the five days. Oh, that, that's really good for yeah. like a somewhat unknown studio mm-hmm. type sort of movie you know what do you mean by that just like no one really knew this film was coming out until like it was a, a bit of, of a, before. a sleep ahead right yeah, yeah. just like puss in boots the last wish i'll stop comparing <laughs> them but yeah no that these are great results um i think meg 2 is going to drop significantly come next week it's, for one, of, sure. it's one of those movies right 100 yeah. percent. like everyone goes sees it first up and then boom, yeah it's done mm-hmm. i'm expecting a slight drop for barbie as well um, I still reckon it'll be number one. I don't know if anything significant's coming out. I think it was meant to be Gran Turismo, but they I got think pushed it out. pushed back two weeks. 
Not for New Zealand though, weirdly enough. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think Barbie might take out number one for next week, but um, mm. when you do your box office forecast, you're the guru, so you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's good results all around except for number five because Disney shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, your sorry your stat thing about Oppenheimer, um, never being number one and making mm. that much money. That's so crazy. Yeah, like if Barbie wasn't there, it would. It would be number one for oh, at least two weeks or easily, so. Yeah. But damn, it goes to show how popular Barbie is. And no wonder why there's all these like chatterers off a cinematic universe and spinoffs and sequels and stuff like that. Mm. But damn. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of the fact that it's still making so like so much money is just crazy. It, it's going to make more money than Inception did, which, which kind of blows my mind. How's um, Nolan's films in the, well, Korea, Japan, but mainly China. Are there big markets for them? Are they? Oh, well. Yeah. It, it really depends on how they react to what the movie's framed around, which is, you know, war and World War II. Japan will be interesting. Um, you know, you got the people that think it's going to do really well there, and then you got people that think it's going to absolutely bomb. No one will see it out of respect for the country. I do think there'll be a curious factor to it, but the fact that the movie doesn't, you know, it doesn't glorify the atomic bomb or what happened in any sense of the word. It's really just about Oppenheimer, and people try to make it more than that, and it's just not. Yeah, it's really just about him and his life, and it doesn't. I don't think it portrays him in like a, a as like a, a hero, but it doesn't portray him as a villain either. It's just an honest take on him, and it's up to you to really make that judgment for yourself. But yeah, I think I know Korea and Japan are huge markets for him. China, the stuff has usually been really strong as well, so I, I, it doesn't have the steam to go all the way to a billion. But, you know, it could make a play for 900. I think it's a very slim chance. I think you're looking around 800 to 900, somewhere in that figure, which, considering everything that's come out this year. Still good for an original film. Yeah, well, it's going to be um, higher. Like, it's going to gross more money or get more money than, like, most of the movies this year. When, when you look at, like, Indiana Jones, like, a historic franchise, Mission Impossible, um, The Flash. May even make more than Guardians 3. That's crazy. That is crazy. And Guardians were just in like the two Avengers movies that made $2 billion each. So it's, it's a monumental achievement. Barbie, man. I, I don't know where the sky is for Barbie. And I, I don't know um, the floor either. It's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where it's going to go. I think if I had to guess, I think it's between 1.3 and 1.4. It, it will slow down at some point. Um, it's open in all major markets, eh? Yes. So I think, I think there may be, oh, it might have been Japan this, this week or next week, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it's coming to the the tail now, we'll just see how big that is. But um, when my um long range forecast for uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, um, my three day prediction was twenty eight million. And it got exactly 28 million based <laughs> on estimates or for somewhere close to that. And my five day prediction was 44 million and it's at 43 point something million. So I was bang on target. You for just that need one, to quit your job at this point and just find something <laughs> in box office. Uh, unfortunately, there's, there's no market where we are, mate. Uh, this is the best we got. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, MIG 2, I was um, under. Same with you. I thought it would be a little bit lower. I just didn't see the appeal. And I didn't see enough room in the marketplace with 
Oppenheimer, Barbie, and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because there's just just too much. But it pulled out thirty million in amongst all that dethroned Oppenheimer of the second spot. Yeah, um, so I think it's good. But you're absolutely right. I think it's going to drop completely next next week between I'd say around fifty eight to sixty five percent, similar to what Haunted Mansion did. Uh, <laughs> that movie's might not even cross seventy million domestically. And it's 160 million. Might not even make 160 million worldwide. Oh shit! That's like another flop for Disney this year. That's so bad. That is, yeah, that is really bad. But yeah, um, the box office—it's—it's it's in good hands. When you see original movies like Barbie and Oppenheimer doing well, and Meg Two's—I don't care about that. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, obviously a lot of craftsmanship as well. I don't know if you heard the news. Um, thing came out today. Seth Rogen said that um, he never let the animators work more than three days a week. He said he just never wanted to be a part of a, an environment where he would overwork them. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice to see a well-received movie that has a lot of craftsmanship to it. And um, yeah, just like do well at the box office as well. All yeah. that kind of comes together. And like Spider-Man, which is well-loved and... Did well at the box office, and then all the news about how people quit. Did you hear that um, Ninja Turtles is coming out to digital in like September, like early September? No, I didn't. Oh, I don't know if it's like a bait thing or something, but I saw that on really? Twitter this morning, oh. and oh. like that's when it comes out for us. I'm just like, fuck. Oh, that's so annoying. Wait, so like mid September? Early single digit September, I think. When do we get it? I have no idea. I can't remember. Nah, I hate New Zealand release dates, but it's for the school holidays here. Yeah. That is annoying because um, it's Paramount, right? Yeah. 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 And Paramount Plus doesn't really do big numbers. So <laughs> it's a good way to get big numbers. But you'd be better off, you know, leaving that in the cinemas, letting it's going to, because it should have good legs because it opened a good amount and people are really liking it. Yeah. A cinema score as well. So oh, it should, they should push it. Yeah. October or something. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I was like, God damn it. I know. That, that's especially for us. It's an Asteroid City thing all over again. All right. Well, we're going to move on to what is probably the biggest uh, casting roller coaster I've ever been on. I don't know about you. And I was, I was pretty sick about sick of hearing about it, the Fantastic Four. Um, lots of new details came out throughout the week. And normally I wouldn't comment on it because we've, we've covered so many different uh, potential People. castings for this. And, but this source, um, or this insider, Jeff Snyder, uh, yeah, he, he's more reputable than the other leaks that come out from this. And he's been right about things in the past. And I watched the the YouTube clip and where he announced this uh, live on the podcast. And he was saying that he wouldn't be saying it unless he was sure about it. So basically what he says is that Vanessa Kirby is going to be playing Sue Storm, aka Invisible Woman, in the MCU's Fantastic Four. So, yeah, he says that um, it, he's heard this from his uh, sources and that he's 99 to 100% certain that it will be Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby has even said that, you know, it'd be a joy to play the character. So he seems pretty certain. And I think uh, at this point, we can safely say that Vanessa Kirby will be Sue Storm. And I think I can speak for both of us on this, that we are happy about that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that soon. Um, but he also says that Joseph Quinn, We'll be playing Johnny Storm, a.k.a. Human Torch. Now, on the podcast, he kept saying Jack Quaid. 
Uh, <laughs> this, I don't know if you heard about this. Yeah, I did, he, yeah. Yeah, he said Jack Quaid throughout it. And it's funny because I would prefer Jack Quaid in the role. Um, but yeah, he was saying Jack Quaid. And then Jack Quaid commented like, oh, thanks for the love, guys. But no, I'm not Johnny Storm. Um, and then he corrected himself by saying, oh, no, I meant uh, Joseph Quinn. So that's a, I don't know how you make that mistake multiple times in a podcast. Uh, I mean, the only thing similar is that they have the first like letter for the first name and last name. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they don't really look alike either. Yeah, there's really no comparison there. Um, he's not as confident as Joseph Quinn to be cast in the role, but he says 80 to 85%. So that's pretty, pretty high mark, um, at least to be announcing it. Because from watching the video, you clearly know that he knows more, but not certain enough on those uh, points to disclose that. Uh, we've heard the rumors about Matt Smith uh, playing Mr. Fantastic, and he's very unlikely to get that role. Apparently, Marvel is very desperate for Adam Driver. and But Matt Smith is still a possibility down the road. I think from what um, Jeff was saying is that the script still needs to be worked on. And once, because yeah, they, they got to submit more drafts and stuff like that. Apparently the film is going to be centered around Sue Storm. So that's why they're really gunning to cast that role first so they can build it around her and make sure the chemistry all works together surrounding her. Um, Eben Moss Bakrak has been casted um, as well, but he's not in a villain role. Um, Jeff Snyder said it could possibly be Silver Surfer. Um, and yeah, he, he also did mention Dr. Doom, but says that's unlikely because Dr. Doom, you know, will kind of not have much of a presence in the movie. Has uh, been or rumored? Sorry? Has been casted or rumored? He's, he's been cast in the film in an undisclosed role right now. And he's just theorized that it could be Silver Surfer. Yeah. Right. And because Silver Surfer is not, a villain role, but it's also not a hero. It's kind of that, that anti-hero. anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he goes on, Galactus is the main villain and will be, um, oh, Galactus will be played by a Latino. Um, I, I know Nan's confused by that because my script notes are, I wrote this completely wrong. Um, and when it comes to the thing being casted, this is not my quote. Jeff Snyder says that it will be played by an overweight white guy. Um, don't know what that means. Don't know if it's Jewish or not. He just says that that's kind of what they're looking for. Don't know the validity on that. Uh, more news came out from other sources saying apparently Jack Quaid is in Fantastic Four, but not playing Johnny Storm, possibly the, uh, the confusion that Jeff Snyder had. And as for the story, it's been claimed that it will be set in the 1960s and they'll be sent out of time like Captain America. All right, so there's lots to unpack here. So we'll just kind of break it down. Vanessa Kirby being a visible woman. How do you feel about that one? Pretty sure we did discuss this before. Yeah. She was my second pick um, behind Jodie Comer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'd love for her to be um, Sue Storm. I think she looks apart. She definitely looks apart. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a she's not a big A-lister yet, but she's still somewhat known. Yeah. And this is a role that could pretty much like, you know, shoot her into stardom mm-hmm. and make her well, more well-known because I can only think of two films that she's been in and that's um, the Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible franchise mm-hmm. and um, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and, and Shaw? Oh, yeah, she is in that, yeah. Yeah, and I feel that's what the casual audiences would be able to remember her in as well. I know she's been in independent stuff as well. Yeah. I think she's in something some coming up. She's going to be in something coming up recently. Um, I know. She, she's also been in The Crown. 
Um, yeah, she uh, she was nominated for Pieces of a Woman um, as Best Actress. And there, yeah, I don't know the upcoming one. Oh, Napoleon. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, playing Empress Josephine. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's going to be a great role for her. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's going to have at least, well, I don't know what Marvel's uh, mm-hmm. phases are like now, but let's say five to ten years mm-hmm. of, like, being in this, like, massive spotlight. So that's good for her. Yeah. Question for you. Do you think Vanessa Kirby has the potential to be the next Margaret Robbie, the one to have an ama- like really good performances and independent uh, kind of films and then break out of the box office through these other ones and you know commit to really good projects, similar to how Margaret's done with Wolf of Wall Street, uh, I, Tonya, and now Barbie. So could she get to that kind of level? Yeah, I think she could. Mm. I mean... She def- she's definitely a very capable actress. Yeah. And whatnot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a shame that she, the stuff that we've seen her in is not that quite mainstream. Yeah. And the mainstream stuff we do see her in, mm-hmm. it's usually like a, a supporting role, not a full front and center, so no one really can see her acting prowess. So Yeah. Yeah, it's good for her, and I definitely think she'll be able to get to that. Definitely. Get, get to those levels. Yeah, and I think with Mission Impossible and the polling, you're going to get two kind of, Different performances from her, but it's going to be a good kind of outlook to see where she can go and what she can do. All right. uh, Next one I found very interesting. Joseph Quinn being Johnny Storm, uh, Human Torch. What do you think about this one? I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, He definitely has a personality for it. And he's, you know, one of those unknown actors that can break out. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much the theme of this whole Fantastic Four is that we don't really want any big names in it. We all want... Um, people where stars can be made. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a good personality. He was Eddie in um, Stranger Things season mm. three, four? Four, the latest four, one, yeah. The latest one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think if he brings that sort of personality but a bit more cocky, um, yeah. I think it'll be fantastic in this role because he can mm. already sort of play that, you know, yeah, that large, larger-than-life sort of character. So, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, like, see. yeah, you know what I mean by larger-than-life? Like, mm. you know? Really egotistical yeah. in his head kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'm not that much of a fan of it. I don't think you'll do I don't think you'll do bad in the role. I uh, I think it'd be fine. I think we don't have really a good sample size of his uh acting. So I'll trust yeah. where the casting would go with this or like the casting directors and stuff. But yeah, I just I just don't see it. I feel like he's uh he just doesn't have that kind of edge or ego to him i think that what he did in stranger things is not quite johnny storm um i mean eddie was more of just like that kind of weird outcast kind of character but johnny storm is kind of he's more like yeah egotistical like that kind of womanizer and like hit up in the clouds kind of um character i don't know if he can pull that off not saying he can't but there's no kind of there's no like roles that I can look in and be like, oh yep, he can. He has the potential to do that because I think what he did was Eddie was very uh different. So yeah, as for the whole Jack Quaid thing, would you prefer Jack Quaid as Johnny Storm? Do you think he would have done a better job or nah? I no? prefer Joseph Quinn. Really? They're just he's always just Huey to me, you know, like 
a nerdy <laughs> sort of guy. I can't really yeah. see him be like a womanizer or like mm. someone cocky. He always just yeah. seems so timid. Mm. Um, even his face has that timid sort of like confused nerdy look. So yeah. it's something I couldn't get behind. I mean, hey, if his performance is great, then awesome. I can mm-hmm. do that because, you know, we've seen stuff with Heath Ledger and so many other yeah. um, castings before. But just just pure look-wise, I, I don't think I could get behind it. I'll always yeah. just be like, you're Huey, you're Huey. Yeah. And it will somewhat take me away from his performance. Mm. Um, but no doubt he could nail the role for sure. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with that, but I, I think Joseph Quinn fits in that category as well. I, I would prefer neither of them to be in the role. They yeah. kind of feel, fit that kind of, not just not the, the Johnny Storm, that kind of Chris Evans pulled off. Yeah. And I thought he was, Chris Evans was well cast in that role. Just go Glenn Powell. Perfect for it, man. <laughs> Honestly, even even like Miles Teller could have done a good job in that. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Just, you know, watch Top Gun Maverick and just pick anyone. Anyone, yeah. Anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Also, Mr. Fantastic. We've already covered Adam Driver before previously, and I doubt he is going to play the role. But we've ne- we haven't talked about Matt Smith yet, but the fact that it was mentioned in this report, what do you, what do you think? What would you think about Matt Smith? Nah. Nah? Yeah. He has, nah, his face. I'm sorry. I, I always go to like the physical features before I go into stuff, other stuff. But he just doesn't look <laughs> like do. a Mr. He doesn't, he just doesn't look like a Mr. Fantastic yeah. sort of person. He looks like, you know, a Tom Riddle or Voldemort site type of person when you just look at him. I don't, I don't really know what to make of that comment, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> you know, and mm. I think um, he'll just be so busy with House of Dragon, um, depending on, let's say it goes on for four yeah. four or five seasons, you know, mm-hmm. he'll just be constantly busy with that yeah. as that character, um, mm-hmm. Damon. Yeah. Um, it'll be hard for him to find time to be part of a big movie franchise. So I think, um, yeah, don't go that way. Uh, he could probably nail the role, but I just, mm-hmm. it'll just be weird. I think it's just, I think it's just best if they just focus on unknown actors. Yeah. Well, they're clearly not going for that because, yeah. you know, Joseph Quinn was a, a fan favorite of Stranger Things. And then Vanessa Kirby's obviously well established in the industry. But yeah. Listen, you know you know what I mean? Like those mm. mid tier people. Even go lower than that. Go to like really unknowns that have really mad potential. I reckon that was probably the best move. As we've discussed before. Yeah. I would like the completely I, unknowns. I I think they want name like they mm. want at least a name to be the draw into it, you know? I don't think you need a draw. You got the MCU and Fantastic Four. Yeah, but with the yeah. MCU like in decline and the Fantastic Four previously has never been a hit. You yeah. sort of want a name to, you know, get that draw in and then obviously it'll be boosted by the MCU and the Fantastic Four name. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I oh, just equipment actually had quite a neat little uh niche of people into it. Yeah. Um now what what else? What else have we got to unpack here? Uh Ivan Moss Bakrak, uh yeah, he's he's in the movie. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff. No, no, I don't think so. I can't really comment on this. Yeah. I, I had a look at his face and I was like, oh, okay, he seems like a villainous sort of character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he could be potentially uh, Silver Surfer. Uh, Galactus is the main villain. What do you think about that takeaway? I'm on the fence because I always think that, you know, Galactus is a Avengers level threat. Um, ju- just so the way. Goes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just in the way that the whole MCU is set out, like, yes, I know in the comics that. Galactus is mainly Fantastic Four based and whatnot, but mm-hmm. in the MCU, you know, you got these sort of bigger, larger than life entities that yep. need everyone to come together. So I mm-hmm. think Galactus is probably the next big bad. Yeah, for for that, 
Um, so I think he should um, definitely be built towards that. Mm. Um, don't, who knows? Th- this could just be like, you know, a Thanos in the Avengers, just like a quick little cameo at the end, post credit scene. Yeah. Or even during um, Guardians 1 where he's just throughout it, probably like less than five minutes front time. Mm. I wouldn't mind that, you know, because it teases the future and teases like, what yeah, his but it, goal is the main villain. Main, no. So he he's front and center. Consider him um like Kang and Ant Man. Based on these comments, because that's the main villain. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like that because yeah. if the the film ends with the Fantastic Four beating him, mm-hmm. um, then what's the point of the Avengers coming? Because you know you just can get four people to do it. Is that like when a bunch of ants took out Kang? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, this is why I don't like these kind of big bads. Um, if they are going to go into or dominate a saga, to be in these solo movies so prominently, yeah, like just do exactly what you did in Guardians One and mm. with Thanos because that yeah. was perfect. You know? The Infinity Saga is great. Why, like keep the formula. Just like yeah. have teasers, have teasers, and then mm-hmm. and then once speculation gets like high up and people start knowing who Thanos was, yeah, then boom, you got Guardians of the Galaxy and he's in there for at least like what five minutes, probably a bit more. Yeah, you can ha- you can have stuff like that. Yeah, and then, and then he's at the end of um. What's the second one called? Age of Ultron as well. Yep. And then boom, Infinity War comes in. Very you know, brief, yeah. Yeah, you know, throughout throughout like from um Ultron to Infinity War, mm-hmm. um, everyone was like talking about Thanos and like it was just his name. You didn't have to see him, but it was his name and you yeah. knew how much of a big threat he was. So you, they could you, easily do this with Galactus. Yeah. You knew it was building up to it. And then you get that first scene in Infinity War where he just drops the Hulk. <laughs> um <laughs> and, and, and kills him. Loki, but it's such a good intro to one of the best villains we've had in uh, comic book movies. Yeah. With, with Galactus, I, I never know how that villain can even work on a film. A uh, planet eater, yeah. Yeah, he's just a big guy in the sky. Um, they tried to do it in the OG Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. Just a cloud. It's a cloud, yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <hitting>. <laughs> oh, it's too good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know how it works. I hope they find a way for it to work. Uh, so apparently they want a Latino to play Galactus, and apparently they offered the role to Antonio Banderas. I heard that a couple months ago. So if Antonio Banderas is on for the role, that's cool. I, I like that choice. Um, I don't know what they can do with it, but I would love to see how it would go. And uh, I love Antonio Banderas as an actor. I think he's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last part we'll cover off this is the story being set in 1960s. And being sent out of time like Captain America. What what do you think of that? So from this, I'm going to, because, you know, Captain America, first one was set in the Second World War for mm. a bit. And then yeah. he went to, no, sorry. The end of it, he went to the, um, the present day. So is it something like that? Or do we get half yeah. a movie off the 1940s, then boom, they're into like different timelines. Now. Yeah, I don't know if they get their powers by going through time. Um, It could be like a, a term called time slipping that we just learned in the Loki trailer. They they could have I don't know what happens with it, but the fact that it's gonna be it's gonna start in the 1960s at least. But from the the rumor was said that it was set in the 1960s. It's a bit annoying. I want present day stuff, you know. Mm. Like I want these characters to be in the present day. Like um, we're about to catch up to the. No, we have caught up. Mm-hmm. We're about to catch up to the. Avengers in-game timeline, you know? Yeah. They had a five-year skip, and we're getting to that point now. Mm. By the time this film releases, we'll be at that point. So I'd rather see more stuff in the present day. Um, yeah. Because we, we, ever since the in-game, we've seen a lot of stuff in the past. 
you know, either in the past or yeah, Eternals yeah. is over ten thousand years or something like that. Yeah, so just yeah. I'll be game if it's like first act in the nineteen sixties. We're establishing mm. these characters, and boom, they yeah. get slipped into the present day, mm. and they're like, "What the hell happened?" Yeah, and stuff like that. Do you think it's because they feel like they need to have a, a Captain America kind of vibe with the MCU? Probably. Yeah. Probably. You know, so- I oh, man, the MCU feels like it's just scrambling, either reusing ideas or just going off. Like such weird tangents. And it's real funny because I think we did it, or you wrote the article mm. um, a couple of years ago, I think during COVID, about Kevin Feige being like one of the greatest producers of all time or yeah. something like that. And that was mm. after Endgame. Mm. And now that whole article sort of contradicts what he's done, or what he's done since then sort of contradicts that because yeah. just off how much of a mess um, mm-hmm. Phase 4 has been in. Yeah, I said that the Marvel Cinematic Universe was the greatest cinematic achievement oh, yeah. of all time. Oh, yeah, and I still stick to that because what, what they've done or what they did is still the greatest achievement in cinematic history in terms, in terms of money, in terms of popularity, in terms of consistency of quality. But I would reword it to the Infinity Saga. <laughs> I would not. The Marvel Cinematic Universe now is a little bit tainted at this point. And I just... I hear all these things and true. We don't know if they're real at this point, but you hear all this kind of stuff and like, what reasons there to be excited about Marvel stuff anymore? You know, it just feels so disconnected. So yeah, there's no duality in the the storytelling. They don't have a plan. I think that's a problem. When they started phase one, they had a plan. They knew Mm. where they wanted to get to Yeah, within 10 years and they got there. Mm -hmm. And then since then they're just like, Oh shit, we've been planning for this first 10 years. We haven't thought of the next. Yeah. And I'm just trying to scramble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they they were too ambitious after Endgame as well. Oh, let's do uh, what, like fucking 18 TV shows a year. Like <laughs> they, they thought, they really thought that the general audience and people who are into movies and like the Marvel Cinema Universe had the time in their life to watch all the movies and all these TV shows. Like there's, there's like with all the other content to come out, like no one has that capacity. I mean, yeah. the, the diehard fans, of course, they would watch everything. But you, you're going to lose a general audience when you do TV shows. Exactly. Because yeah. not everyone has access to Disney Plus, mm-hmm. nor do they want to, because, you know, yeah. especially now with like mm-hmm. real world stuff, economy, like prices and stuff going up. Exactly. Why yeah. pay 50 bucks or whatever it is a month mm-hmm. for it when you can. Spend that to fill up your car for a week. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about the TV shows in a minute. Um, but we're going to move on to more Barbie stuff. Um, it is a Barbie world. Uh, but yeah, Barbie is a bona fide cinematic phenomenon at this point, and there's no doubt that Barbie Two will happen. How that happens is a completely different story, because the existing talent are not obligated to return for its sequel. Margaret Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Greta Gerwig, and Noah Bombach are uh, the great talents behind this movie. And they, are make, they make it what it is. And none have a deal for a sequel yet. So the studio attempted to ink in a deal with Greta Gerwig months before the release, um, but the agency declined uh, until the film releases, which is going to be a really smart uh, tactic on their part because now they see that it's making all this money and what Gre- Greta Gerwig can do. So Demand more money. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so. During the time of strikes, you know, to say was any kind of uh, chance of a contractual negotiation so to take place. Uh, once the once the strikes are over, there were, there's going to be negotiations on them returning. So, really, my question is to you: uh, 
Could you take on... I'll ask, I'll ask a couple questions on this one, but the first one. In case they all demand way too much money because they see the success in this, and Warner Brothers is like, it's too much, we are going to switch over to someone else. New director, new writer, new Barbie helming the movie, and then obviously a different type of Ken. Would you be on board for that? Or are you hooked on the whole Greta, Margaret, and Ryan like trio? I'm hooked on the Greta Gerwig and Noah Bombarch because mm-hmm. I think they're the ones that built the world, they built the story and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think um, you can have different Barbies in it. Like you can have different stereotypical Barbies. You can go to different Barbie worlds yeah. if you need to. You know, mm-hmm. the world's your oyster. Yeah. Like, I mean, they literally can build a whole universe in this. Yeah. So don't need, you don't need to have Margot Robbie in there. Mm-hmm. You can have her as a cameo. Yeah. You know? Um, so, sorry, there's kids shouting in the background. <laughs> um, so you don't <laughs> fucking kids. So you don't really. I think they are the important pillars of it because mm-hmm. you know they're the ones that direct and write. I yep. think Margot and Ryan Gosling—they're not easily replaceable, but they can be replaced with other actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, preference, yeah. I obviously want them to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them, but if they move away, I want to see them in sort of a cameo sort of aspect. Like, they're still part of the film. They're still there Yeah. Um, to, you know, draw it in and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. It'll be cool to see different Barbies in different Barbie worlds, you know? Definitely. And I, I think I'm leaning to that as well. Uh, it would be, I think it would be, re- it was clear that they never made this movie with the intention of a sequel because, I'm, I'm going to spoil it, it's been out for three weeks now. Go and see it if you haven't already. Skip through 30 seconds because I'm going to say a spoiler right now. But Barbie ends up in the real world at the end of the movie. So I don't know how you justify bringing it back to Barbie land or how that unfolds unless it's, uh, you know, gender reversing with Ken taking the lead and Barbie taking the, the side side character out and they kind of explore a different dynamic in that sense. Um, it, that's if they want to go the Ryan Gosling and Margaret Robbie route. But yeah, I'm completely on board with you, man. Um, they established a whole different lot of Barbies and Kens and, I think you get a lot more different, interesting stories from those characters that we didn't see much of. But I don't think you get them as interesting without Greta Gerwig and Noah Bombach, um as well. So I, I, I honestly think we are going to get, and I think it's before the end of the year, you're going to get an announcement. It's not going to just be Barbie 2, man. It's going to be Ken. He's going to get a solo. Um, and it's there's going to be like spinoffs and all these different. You'll probably get Barbie vs Ken, uh, <laughs> Dawn of uh, Kenland or something like that. Dawn of Ken. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably get you'll probably get all these like announcements. And I'm not going to say they're going to do like a a, a BCU Barbie Cinematic uh, Universe, but they are going to blow up the Barbie IP to uh, so much like different properties. That Greta Gerwig and Old much. they obviously can't do it all. They can't direct and write everything. So I think we are going to get different talents on. But honestly, I think it's just a blessing that we've had Greta Gerwig set the stage at least. If they do go on to different directors and writers, Greta Gerwig set the stage in terms of how Barbie, Barbie Land, yeah, Barbie Land, Barbie World is like portrayed visually. You know, the, the interesting sets, the um, pinkness of it all. Yeah. And if a director doesn't go that length in terms of creativity and how it looks, it's not going to make as much. If they're yeah. not willing to run the world out of a certain color, don't sign on. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, at least they've established the world. We'll see what happens. But um, you know, you know, Greta Gerwig still got the Narnia movies. Apparently, she signed on for as well. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, more Barbie stuff is definitely coming. I think me and how, you both know. That. How would you feel if the roles were reversed? So Noah Bumbach directed and Greta wrote. Ooh, I don't know. I think that Noel Bombach is a better writer than director. And I don't know about Greta Gerwig. I would I would like to say she's a better director than she is writer, but she's also a fantastic writer. Um, so I think for Barbie, I think it was kind of perfect as it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like what they what they did with this movie, and it's we we talked about it quite extensively um on and off the podcast. Uh that it it had like way too much themes, but like at least it had something to say. And which is what you don't get that very often now. And I, I, I do worry if another director comes in, it's just like, haha, funny Ken's uh, pretty Barbie. That's it. 100% be like Yeah, that. yeah. And it's just like, perhaps we didn't like the abundance of themes and ideas, but at least it gave us something to think about, something to talk about. We didn't get it with, um, or we, we don't get it with much stuff. So that's a part that I really appreciated. I hope Warner Brothers can see the value of Greta and Noel Bombach as, you know, the, the duo in writing and Greta directing. But just know that, yeah, you have a lot of Barbies to work with. Uh, you have a lot of Kens to work with. There's some interesting stories to tell there beyond that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for future Barbie. But Warner Brothers, please, uh, if, you're gonna, if, you, if you can't sign on Greta Gerwig and Noel Bombach, either for scheduling or due to money, Make sure your directors and writers know that this cinematic universe or the sequels or whatever are more than just uh, kid stuff. Yeah. As Dan would say. Fucking kids. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward time to take a sip of drink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the silence there. Um, okay. So Barbie's making a bar billion dollars. The meme has come alive, but it is not slowing down. It is uh, in a two-horse race with Super Mario, Super Mario Bros. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tight. I, I think Barbie will win it at the end of the day. Um, just because the pace is strong, it would have to fall off quite steeply to, to not win that title. But Mario Bros. is 15th all-time at $1.35 billion. It's a hard, hard thing to get to. So when it slows down, we'll see. But Barbie, yeah, it's the 45th of all time. It's got, it has $1.03 billion. But what I'm really interested in is if there are any contenders for the rest of the year to beat these two movies at the box office. Now, I see Nan laughing there because I've done potential contenders. And I, I'm actually going to, I was just going to ask you straight away, but I'm going to try and justify why I've put that here. Because there are reasons. Um, Perhaps there are some, there's some weak cases for some of them, as you will. But the potential contenders to beat either film, um, one is the Marvels. I think that's pretty clear. It has the MCU tag on it, and it's still a box office draw. The Marvels, um, you know, that's going to cater to the male demographic and the female demographic. And look what that's done for Barbie. So there's potential in there. Also, what did Captain Marvel make? One point something billion dollars. You can say it's the movie before Endgame, but it really had nothing to do with Endgame. So, yeah, 
Um, also, peak Marvel. I'm not saying it's going to do it, and I don't think it will. I'm, I'll make a, a... None of these will. That was what I'm going to say. I'll just say that instantly. <laughs> none of them will, but they are potential contenders, and that's what we're going to be discussing. But yeah, the Marvels, I don't see it happening, but if the movie's really good, it, it, it could. It could. Doom Part 2 is very interesting because we don't really have uh, the data to support the, the claim that it is a contender because it released in COVID and its viewership on HBO Max was extremely high. I think it was one of the highest um, ever for the platform. Uh, also, it made $400 million in its day and date release. So it released uh, in, in line with its um, online release or the mm-hmm. online streaming releases. $400 million is a lot, especially when you have uh, COVID. Both. Yeah, limited seedings and whatnot. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I, I think there is potential there. Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya are two of the uh, like most popular uh, celebrities right now. So they're they're a massive pull. Uh, there's definitely a good potential there. Also, IMAX it has an exclusive IMAX thing for I think six weeks now. What was it? Five to six weeks? Yeah, I think so. Exclusive. Yeah, that that's an insanely long time. Also, IMAX made up for twenty five percent of Dune ones. Uh, entire gross so about 100 million which is a lot next one Aquaman and Lost Kingdom I don't know why you're laughing at that. I don't know why it's oh, people always shit on this one and people are going to be oh DCU is flopping do you, do you remember what Aquaman made? yeah but this is like two different Aquaman movies what's, what's the difference? name one difference Amber Heard and her controversies wouldn't that attract people to see it? I don't know I think it will attract people not to see it in protest and then you also have the multiple reshoots, the negative test screenings as well. That's true. That's true. If it's shit, it's shit. That's why I'm saying it's a potential contender. Um, it is shit. Then people aren't going to show up multiple times. Um, Amber Heard's role apparently is minuscule. I don't think there's going to be much protest in it. Um, also, her protest is basically defamation. Uh, that's what she did to Johnny Depp. She didn't go and abuse and groom children like Ezra Miller was allegedly doing or throwing chairs at people. It, 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 it's a mixed bag, but I, I just don't think Amber Heard's is as serious as Ezra Miller's, but Amber Heard's is definitely more popular because that was more public. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think it turns people off in such a dramatic way where this makes $300 million. Also, it opens up in December. Christmas. Christmas. The holiday period is known to you know, cause really leggy runs and have massive upside um, on a box office level. So I think there is real potential for it to get higher than the DCU movies this year. But I mean, again, these are potential. I don't think it's going to be as high. Wish. I mean, you just don't need, you never know with these Disney animated movies. Um, It releases in the same time period as Frozen. And if it is Frozen uh, level, uh, then it has the potential to get that high because remember Frozen was a completely original thing as well, and look how that came out. So you just, you just can never rule out a kind of Disney princess animated story, especially when one that it looks interesting. You know the the animation's very different to like unfinished. No, 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 like hand drawn stuff. Um, yeah, that's mixed I mean. in with the three D uh, digital design. Yeah, so uh, if it if the quality is good and they have songs that hit like Let It Go, then it really can catch on and get fire. Um, 
Wonka here. I think this is the biggest long shot of my list. Perhaps the last one, but Wonka, Christmas time movie as well. So, and the, the trailer was really, um, really popular. Timothy Chalamet has become a, a very famous um, actor as well. So I think there is potential there. And if um, Paul Feig is, I think that's the director. Um, if it's as good as Paddington, you know, those 99%, 100% movies. Yeah. Um, then you got the you combine that with the holiday period, Christmas time and New Year's, it could really run away at the box office. But probably not to the 1.3 billion area. Uh, last one, and this is a massive long shot, Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Uh, the first two Hunger Games were very big, very big at the box office. I don't know their um, totals, but they, they were very high. I think they're around the 700, 800 mark. Um, so in any situation where the Hunger Games prequel is going to go higher than that, I think it's very unlikely. But if it's good and great, you, you just never know with those kind of young adult targeted films. But yeah, man, what do you think about these since you had the audacity to laugh at them? And remember, I'm not saying that they will beat them. I don't think any of them will. But I think there's a case to be made that they can be a contender. Well, I think it's safe to say, but I was going to have the box office crown for this mm-hmm. for this year. It's definitely yeah. going strong and no signs of slowing down. It's mm-hmm. competition is very weak and tall. I don't know. It's a long time. I can't think of the next big one, like big popular one. Yeah. First thing that comes to my head is Doom. Yeah. So mm. it's it's got some decent legs on it. Yeah. I definitely don't think Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes would mm. crack that high. Yeah. I'll be surprised if it hits 500 million, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> that is fair, yeah. Um, Aquaman, I just think with all the negative stuff, just mm-hmm. not around that film, but like DC in general as well, I think people yeah. are just over it. So the keys are there. So I don't think um, people would rush to see that film. Um, maybe they'll go see Jason Momoa, but that's probably about it. Um, the Marvels, I think it's in the same category, but but to a lesser extent. Um, as DC, you know, like major, most of their movies recently, apart from Sand No Way Home and uh, Guardians 3, have been pretty average or bad. Yeah. Um, overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think um, it's going to be as popular. I think the reason why um, Captain Marvel was so popular was because everyone was thinking that it was going to tie into Endgame. Yeah. Um, which it only did at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has nothing to tie into. It's got nothing to, you know, yeah. set up really. Mm-hmm. Um, Wish. I think that could be a dark horse. Yeah. Um, I think that could blow up as like make up for all of Disney's elves this year. And, <laughs> Pretty much like they need it, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on Wish right now, but you know, just just this content that they've released this year, it's going to put a bad taste in people's mouths. But as you said, if it lives up to that idealistic Disney princess movie with great songs and characters mm. and animation, it yeah. could, it could, it could make a play. It can, and yeah. I'll probably put that as like my top pick to potentially make a play mm. out of all of these, yeah. Um, Wonka. I think that could be a hit or miss, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it could get there, but I don't think it will. I think it might not at all. Doom Part 2, that's an interesting one because the fact that it made 400 in a day and date release on streaming and theaters during COVID, mm-hmm. it's actually really good. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that Denis Villeneuve is not a really box office draw as 
No, as a director, yeah. As a director. Mm. I mean, Dune is his highest with 400 million. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he he's locked in that six-week um, IMAX. IMAX slot, pushed mm-hmm. out Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, as Oh, sorry, the Marvels as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, it could definitely make a play. And, you know, it comes, it probably has like, what, a decent month or so before the next, because it comes out in October, November. It comes out a week before the Marvels. Um, so Marvels uh, could completely destroy it. Yeah. It has IMAX ex- exclusivity um, for the five to six weeks. So probably till longer and yeah. Aquaman oh, come out. Yeah. I mean, and there's a huge chance that this could get delayed till next year as well. That's also another factor. Yeah. Cause this, yeah. But yeah, if I had to pick two to potentially mm. get there, yeah. the number one would probably wish just based off if it nails all those aspects of a Disney film, mm-hmm. but you're going to have a success there. Yeah. Um, Dune is a bit of an outlier because, you know, let's say Barbie reaches 1.5. That's a big task for yeah. Dune, which is um, has a quite a niche fan base, mm. so to speak, you know? Yeah. Um, and also the director is not well known. Um, mm-hmm. Not well known, but it's not a well known box office draw. Yeah. So I think that has odds stacked up against it, but mm. I think those those will be my two. Yeah. I think you're I think you're under underrating Wonka there. <laughs> you don't think Wonka has a Barbie blow up potential? If the marketing is good. I think it does. I mm. think it will, because like, you know, Roald Dahl and China mm. Chocolate Factory is a very mm. famous childhood book. Mm-hmm. It could definitely get up there. I, I mean, I I think I see it around. I th- I think I see it quite high. Dude, I don't see it cracking a billion for sure, but high, higher than people think that Wonka is going to be, I think it is going to be quite high. I think it'll probably be mm. the highest grossing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory maybe. Yeah. I think it'll beat Charlie and Chocolate Factory and Willy mm. Wonka in the Chocolate yeah. Factory. Yeah. But it'll be up against um, Aquaman and one of those movies have, has to win the holiday period. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. If Aquaman can turn out to be good based on reshoots. We'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, you're, you're probably right. It's probably best just to uh, remove Amber Heard entirely from that movie um, and then come out with a press release saying that, oh yeah, it reshoots, it's been recut and Amber Heard won't be in it. And then people will be like, oh, okay, cool. And then we'll go see it. They should have done that as soon as like yeah. the decision was made or recast a um, role. Yeah, they they do that um, when other actors get one allegation towards them. <laughs> um, so uh, they didn't do that at all. They haven't done it yet. No. Um, but yeah, well, well, we're just gonna move on to from the DCU to the DCU. Uh, Gal Gadot has said um, recently that she's gonna be playing Wonder Woman. As the DCU moves to the DCU, which is led by James Gunn and Peter Safran, uh, she said in a recent interview prior to the SAG Afra strike that she loves playing this character so close to her heart. And then she goes on to say that she has heard from James and Peter that they're going to be developing Wonder Woman 3 together. Now, there's a few takeaways to take from that. She says that they're developing it. She could be on as a producer um, to kind of pass the baton on or it could mean that she's starring in it but she says Wonder Woman 3 so implying that she's going to be playing the character but if you still have the same cast from the old universe the new universe what is happening here and we can understand it because we follow this news the people that go to you know seven movies a year if that that they won't know what's going on but what what do you think about this 
know. I think it's stupid. Yeah. You know, if you're going to completely wipe out a slate off an, off a, I don't know, what's already been built, you might as well start from fresh. From, from fresh. Mm. The fact that she's coming back, but, you know, they're not retaining Henry Cavill as Superman. They're both similar ages as well. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. And it's, if it confuses me, it's going to confuse the normal people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it just doesn't make sense. Like, this was a perfect opportunity to just completely start fresh and build your franchise from new mm. and with no ties to the original. And yeah. now that this has, like, Waller, Peacemaker 2, um, now this, there's mm. rumors that Ezra Miller might come back in some sort of capacity. Blue Beetle is going to be apparently part of this as well. He's the first character that we're going to see. Yeah, I know. Because Blue Beetle is DCU. Yeah, I know, which originally wasn't part of James Gunn's plan because it was still part of the DCEU. Yeah, I know. And now which it's is, just DCU. Yeah, it's just, it makes no sense. It just goes to show that I don't think this is, at the end of the day, this isn't James Gunn and Peter Safran's mm-hmm. vision. It's Warner Brothers. It's tied together. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think they want to do this own thing, which want to um, mm. clean slate and everything. And then one of us has seen like all these popular stuff that's happening. And like, hey, what if we just chuck this in there? Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, just recast it. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hear the frustration in your voice. And yeah, man, I'm completely with you. I, I don't, they're just kind of picking favorites at this point. Yeah. And I, I what they do, what they've done to Henry Cavill, I think, I think it's just sad, just because like he never got the chance to shine. Yeah, he's always been behind bad scripts. Um, sorry, Snyder fans, but that's just my opinion. So he's been behind that, and that does didn't allow for such a great performance in the role. But then he was kind of shunned for a while, and then teased at Black Adam that he was coming back, and then yeah. he made a video saying thanks for the support over the year that it's good to be back in the role and stuff like that. And then yeah. all this news comes out, and now we're finding out that Gal Gadot is still able to play her role in the new universe. For one, it does doesn't make sense. I don't know how you're going to justify it. And if it's called on Wonder Woman three, it doesn't even make sense since it's meant to be the start. Is she going to be pulled through some like time thing? If so, then that makes the two universes connected and that's dumb. A fresh start. This this franchise needs it. Out get probably get rid of Blue Beetle. That was made for the DCU. Exactly. You're just going to tailor it to the DCU. Um, yeah, you could probably you should probably just can that movie and then just remake it again with the same actors. Nah, but um, yeah, I I'm so sick of the DCU, man. I'm just I'm so over the disappointments, and it's it's been a roller coaster of a franchise. Like it started off with so much potential. The anticipation for Batman and Superman was insane. That movie was shit. Um, and then Justice League was worse. But then you had some highs. You know, you had you felt like it was coming on form again. Wonder With, Woman was good. Wonder Woman, Shazam. Aquaman, Aquaman was fun. Fun. Shazam was pretty good. You felt like it was finding its feet a little bit. And then this year, it's like, jokes, we're trash. <laughs> jokes have gone back to our roots, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, okay, we're going to have James Gunn leading it. It's like, oh, awesome. He's really good. And, ha- and he's set up the entire cosmic for the MCU. This is really potential here. Oh, but we're not going to do a full reset. It's like, what? Like, I still think, mm. in my head, the first film of this franchise is Superman Legacy. 
nothing else. I always thought it was going to be. Yeah, and it should be. Because I think Superman should be kicking off uh, the DCU. Yeah. Or the Batman. Um, Matt Reeves. I would love for that to be um, <laughs> the first one. But they're not going to do that. They said that. But the Batman Brave and the Bold. Yeah. Either of those two movies, Superman and Batman need to be your Iron Man and your Captain America. Yeah. And you got to build those characters up really strongly. And then you got to have, you got to round out the supporting cast. Um, but yeah, I don't really have hope for the DCU. The only thing that gives me hope is the fact that some of the projects that have announced in chapter one are, they're interesting stuff. Yeah. I'm excited for Swamp Thing. That might be my most anticipated off the I, like, I hope it's like quite horror-based. It's, ho- it's horror-based and it's James Mangold. I don't know Indiana Jones, but he's directed good stuff. And I think it's going to be R-rated. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's going to be real good. Yeah. Um, so just interesting stuff like that. This should be a Elseworlds thing. You know, not part of the core franchise, but just something to appease fans. Yeah. I don't think even Elseworlds should exist. Get... Um, the Joker and the Batman, combine them uh, and then throw them in the DCU. Oh, perfect. Could you imagine like Robert Pattinson and uh, David Cornswit? Like they just feel like they would work like similar ages, quite new to the hero role. Yeah. Because it's the Batman was year two. Yeah. Yeah. And Superman Legacy is the, the coming of age in a sense for a superhero. Yeah. So Perfect times to, to jowl and have that moral conflict and stuff like that. Oh, but no, we're just going to run with something else. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sick of talking about the DC, DCU. And DCEU. All of the DCs. Um, just move on. <laughs> just move on. I'm trying. Um, just caught up in my feels. We're going to talk about another franchise I'm not too keen on talking about as well. It's the MCU. Too many CUs. So, Loki Season 2. The trailer released this past week and the series uh, releases on October the 6th. So only about a couple months away. This one's a mixed one for me and probably for you as well. Because the MCU has been struggling with TV shows pretty much ever since TV shows came around. You know, and Secret Invasion has received such massive negative criticism. It's been probably one of the biggest, uh, one, of, one of the most negative kind of, eras for the MCU, at least from what I've seen on, on the online space. Um, that, that finale, though, ignited our fans' rage in so many different ways. I think the director got like death threats and stuff like that. Oh, my God. And he said he was happy about the death threats because he knows that he made an interesting finale, which I was like, okay, sure. If that's your train of thought, then... Well, if he dies, well... <laughs> Someone actually <laughs> follows through with it. Eh? Um, he just he dies with a smile on his face. <laughs> um but no yeah the the trend with the disney plus uh mcu tv series they start strong and then they just they flunk at the end like they just finish so poorly and i think there are some outliers i think wonder vision was good for the most part i'd consider it a good series but that that shut the bed at the end I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is a good series, but the ending is weaker than the first half. I think Loki is the one exception. I think, yeah, the season one of Loki, you know, it has one of, if not the best season in MCU television. 
So, you know, I think there is some hope for for Loki. Knowing that the MCU TV series are on average not good, but Loki was good. How do you feel after watching the trailer and the fact that it's Loki season two? And our first season two of MCU television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of this? I think the trailer was very similar to season one, you know, like it wasn't that impressive. I know you certainly weren't hyped for Loki when it first oh, man, came out. my criticism was uh, very vocal. Yeah, and you end up loving it. So I think, this has, <laughs> I think this has similar vibes to it, you know, just in terms of tone and what they're trying to do, like the wackiness and whatnot. Um, so I think it is going to end up working. I think it's going to break this um, recent mold of MCU TV. I think it's going to be a hit and then MCU TV will just go back to, you know, the standard. Shit, mm-hmm. shit, shit, shit. Yeah. Um, I, they, they were very smart in this trailer to like show Jonathan Majors for like a second. Because mm. um, obviously he's going to be a big part in this series. Yeah. Um, the first season set up for it and the post-credit scene, mid-credit scene in uh, Quantumania set up for that as well. That was just a scene from the series though. Yeah, but still. Yeah. If they had a scene from a series into that, then obviously. Just get ants. He's done. They don't know that in the past, though. Yeah. But, yeah, the whole time-slipping thing, it's an interesting concept. Mm. Um, we'll probably see that a lot more, as you said. If the rumors about the Fantastic Four plot is true, that's a very high chance that we'll see in proper force where they time-slip mm. into nowadays. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I think this is going to retain everything that worked well with Loki Season 1. And bring mm. it into here. I think the score is going to be fantastic as it was in season one. Oh, so good. So good, yeah. Listen so to it now, yeah. I, I think Loki is going to be very, a very good TV series and definitely best since, mm-hmm. well, Loki season one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with you. I am excited for this. I thought the trailer was very <laughs> cool. I don't like, uh, don't laugh. <laughs> no, Nan is laughing because we started off uh, this podcast and I had not seen it yet. Uh, so we had to to scrap the initial recording and watch it and then start again. But um, I just didn't get around to it in the week. We had a busy weekend, man. You got to relax. Give me a break. Um, I really liked the trailer. I just saw it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you, you're right. It captures kind of everything that the first one did right. Um, one of the highlights of the first season was the score. Um, yeah, we, we both love that. The only thing that gets me worried is the time slipping concept like it's just another concept and yeah. it doesn't feel like a concept that's going to be used to um you know provide uh any kind of momentum or forwardness for the story it's just a get out of jail free card like, oh he time slipped and then like yeah. <laughs> to any character that comes out of nowhere or like well, what if he time slipped <laughs> like just go all around the world in time so We'll see how they handle that. It does worry me a little bit. Uh, having Ki Kwan there um, just feels like he's playing himself, so he it does. doesn't, doesn't get me excited at all. But yeah, no, overall, I think it captures, it captures the look and feel that the first one did, and I think we can be uh, safe in um, having hope in that series and then uh, not having hope in the other ones. But yeah, Kang will be interesting in this. Now, I know the Jonathan Majors um, trial is a month before I think I think it's next month. So we'll see the verdict. But my guess is that 
Disney waits and see on the verdict because if he's guilty for like, you know, like assault um, on on a woman, then it's, it's. I think I think they might re-edit it because you know how they don't finish the episodes as they release. Yeah. Or like they don't finish all the episodes and then just drop one at a time. They f- keep working on it as it gets to each episode's release because we've got the screeners that have been unfinished before. I do think if he's found guilty, they're going to deeply edit it. Um, and I think they would deeply edit it to the point where it's incoherent, where it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and so if he is guilty, then I would say that Loki season two will be bad. You could just yeah. have him time slip away and have another Kang time slip as a recasted character. They're yeah. going to recast and film within that time? Easy. <laughs> easy yeah the, the, that's the problem it's only a month before if it was like a, a few months before then they could do the quick recast and you know the editing and stuff like that the only other option is you could deep faker the recasted actor's face onto him yeah that that could that could work but then there's kind of like feels a bit tasteless to use someone else's kind of work in the role and then just deep fake deep fake it yeah we can just kill him off huh you can just kill him off and then in a future film or project, just have a time slip off and like new Kang. Yeah, I, it could be pretty easy because it's so new. And I think what they did with Kang and Ant-Man was just the dumbest thing in the world. The, the yeah. ants beating him was just crazy. Um, because, yeah, in that movie, you, you get it. You get like a real sense of fear. You're like, oh, this guy's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And then these ants just take him away. They break it's, his shield. So stupid. Yeah. I also hate and like, and man, he was just like vaporizing like people in that, um, like those that rebellion or whatever. He was just vaporizing them. Why did, he just never did it to Ant Man though? <laughs> he just just a blast of just like vaporize people instantly. He doesn't do it to our main characters. It just doesn't make sense, man. Oh, it gets me it gets me so mad. What what they're doing to to Marvel? Oh, I just hate these comic book universes right now. You didn't even get to drink your beer because you're on the tent. You're <laughs> <I> so angry. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. And that is worse than being angry, Marvel. Exactly. Look what you've done to me, Feige and Gunn. This is what you're doing. No, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I am excited for Loki. It's probably one of my most uh, anticipated Marvel things in the near future. And then guess what's after Loki? Echo. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but hey, at least all the episodes drop out once for that. Yeah, that means I don't have to watch them. <laughs> or I won't watch them. We'll see. I'll probably find the time and watch it. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's good. That could actually be all right. Because um, I think she's one of the better parts of Hawkeye, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, which was an awful show, by the way. I'm just um, interested to see how they make a blind man and a deaf woman communicate. Because Daredevil's in it, remember? Yeah. He could communicate with her. How? Because he can feel things. He can feel the vibrations. Yeah, but how would she know what he's saying? What? Oh, never mind. How oh. would he hear her? He's got ears. <laughs> the other way around. All right, how about this? It's a philosophy question. If you're blind, how would you ask for food? Huh? Sign language? Why? No, you can still talk. Why don't you just ask him? Yeah. No. Why'd you do sign language? Yeah, but she can't hear. She's deaf. Oh, she's not part of the situation. It's just a common thing that people ask people. 
but it's always that thing where it's like um that question that it's asked you and they're always like hold my hands out or like sign language but i didn't ask you if like you couldn't talk you never heard that before no <laughs> oh silly man too busy on facebook uh, <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to something that is actually the good part of the film industry. Actually, it's not. The Oscars are not part. They're not good. They're not a good part of the thing. But they do represent good movies. We can't deny that at least. So we're going to move on to some positivity before we close off this podcast. Um, So Variety have um, published their predictions for the Oscar season. Really just before um, the fall film. Uh, festival circuit really starts to begin and that's when we really start to see the oscar race start to take shape so this is kind of our our early look at things and see how it is now me and nayan have seen um we've we've seen a few of these um but but we're going to go through it just something to note before we get down if you don't hear doom part two for the color purple it's because it's not included in variety's predictions due to the possibility of a strike um I was looking at all the predictions and I was like, wow, this guy is ballsy. He's not going to put Dune on for anything, not even visual effects, not cinematography, not score. I was like, oh, this is a madman running loose. He needs to be fired. And then I looked a little bit deeper into um, his explanation on Best Picture and then I saw that we're not going to do Dune until it's like confirmed. So that makes sense. Um, also, Challenges was delayed, which was setting up to be a Oscar contender as well. All right. Um, so, best picture. Uh, the predicted nominees Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, May December, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Saltburn, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, and The Zone of Interest. Now, the predicted winners Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and directed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, me and Name, we have seen Barbie, May, December, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So about half half the list here. Name, yeah. What do what do you think about these? Do you think any that are missing or any that don't deserve to be potential nominee at this point? Mm, nah, I think I think it's a pretty good um, it's a pretty good sort of list at the moment. Mm. Maybe Monster if that kicks kicks through in the international market and starts getting waves, similar to. Yeah. Parasite, but with Parasite, you had, um, I don't know how to pronounce it, Bong Joon Ho, or yeah, mm-hmm. as a director, and he's, he's quite well known in the English market as well. Yeah, um, but I think Monster could, if it starts to gain that sort of traction, it mm-hmm. could be included in this. Yeah. Um, did you say who Variety thinks is going to win it? Yes, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be just from what I've seen so far and just mm-hmm. the synopsis off the other things, I think it's a three horse race at the moment um, between killers, Maestro and Oppenheimer. Yeah. I, I think they will win it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if killers win it, but if I had to pick one, it would be Oppenheimer. Cause I think no one just should get his Oscar. And Hey, if they so get, that, that's your vote or that's what you think will win it at this stage. That's what I think will win it at this stage. I okay. haven't seen killers, but yeah. just based on the stuff I've seen definitely by far yeah. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer's making waves, and yeah, I, I I don't see much people hating Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah, it's those reviews are insane. Um, yeah, I basically agree with you, at least in terms of the top three. I think Killers, Maestro, and Oppenheimer are probably the the three horse race there. 
We got to see how Maestro is, but we know that Killers is pretty great from what we've heard in the in the reviews. Uh, past lives could make a a surprise um, play to be you know, yeah. quite a strong contender in there. It feels like one of those. There's, Oscar, always, yeah, there's yeah. always that movie that you don't see coming and it comes quite strongly. Yeah. Um, I think Past Lives could be that. I don't know too much about Saltburn or Zone of Interest, but I know that uh, the director of Saltburn, Emerald Fennel, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but she did um, Promising Young Woman. So immediately I'm excited for it because I love that movie. Yeah. Um, and I don't know too much about the holdovers either, but I think Barbie is. Yeah, I'll send this to you though. Yeah, I think Barbie's your kind of top gun of the year. Yeah, could be a surprise. It could make. Yeah, it could really surprise. Um, depends how the Academy feels about it. But it is kind of like a a weird movie for the Academy to like nominate or win. Maybe not nominate or win. Yeah, if if Barbie made four hundred million dollars at the global box office, it would not be nominated. And I just I know that like. The fact that it has this worldwide you know, phenomenal success that that elevates its status here. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, that's a surprise. Animated movies don't get the Best Picture nomination. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it will hold up in terms of um, being, maybe not worthy is the right word, but I don't think it'll hold up in terms of getting the nomination when when all these other surprise movies can into the play. I think the fact that Spider-Verse is such a part one and not a complete story, I think that does degrade its status a little bit. And I do think the Academy will see that as not a complete Best Picture nomination. But yeah, I think May December's good. It, it feels very um, perfect for what the Academy would nominate. You, it's just, you just get that sense of that feeling. Yeah. Um, all right, move on to Director... Predicted nominations are Bradley Cooper, Emerald Fennell, Christopher Nolan, Martin Scorsese, and Celine Song. Our predicted winner is Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, yeah, and Bradley Cooper is maestro. Um, yeah, Celine Song, Past Lives. Uh, who do you think? Who do I think will win? Well, or yeah, who, from what I've seen. From what you've from what you've seen, just kind of give your perspective. Mm. Um, I think. Um, if there's every year for Nolan to win, it's going to be this year. Mm. I think he's delivered us such a fantastic film. Yeah. I still think in my mind, he's a front runner and less killers of the flower moon is just absolutely fantastic. Mm. That's the only film that would threaten him getting his, um, first ever Oscar. Yeah. Um, I do think with the popularity of Barbie that Greta Gerwig might get nominated. Mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she is nominated, yeah. but if she is, I don't think she'll have a chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if Napoleon is great, I think Ridley Scott makes it in here. I think so too. And I think he could be a good player to be director, um, especially as that movie is quite a large-scale movie. Um, And also if Dune's released, you got to include like kind of Dune in in our thinking here because we'll run under the assumption that it is going to release. I think Denis Villeneuve gets it as well. I think you're right about Greta Gerwig. I think it's Christopher Nolan's best chance at an Oscar. For his best all-around film, but I think it's a tough race, man. It is, it's yeah. a strong year for directors. Um, it's gonna be hard, but yeah, I I would hope Christopher Nolan, unless the other ones are amazing, and Maestro's looking really good um, so far, and you know Bradley Cooper's clearly a talented director. 
I this it's going to be a really fun category. I think it's going to be a really good Oscars this year. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, actor in a leading role. So the predicted nominees are Paul Giamatti, Bradley Cooper, Leonardo DiCaprio, Coleman Domingo, and Killian Murphy. Uh, predicted winner for this is Paul Giamatti in the holdovers. So yeah. Um, thoughts on this one because we've only seen one of these um, performances and we loved Killian Murphy. We do. Yeah. Um, obviously the big one here is Leonardo DiCaprio. We always know what he's going to get. Mm-hmm. We always know what we're going to get with him. You know, he's just a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. So he's always pretty much always going to get nominated for every movie he does mm-hmm. um, basically. So I think he could be in line for a second. Yeah. I would like Bradley Cooper to get one if mm-hmm. he's um, just as good as he was in um, A Star is Born. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard much about Paul Giamatti, but I have seen mm-hmm. his name come across a lot of best actor stuff. So yeah. obviously he must be in the running, but I think that is the four horse race. I think Bradley mm-hmm. Cooper's just on the outer and he's mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic in Maestro. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I, who do I want to win? I think I want Killian Murphy to win. I think he just, he was just fantastic and he yeah. portrayed Oppenheimer to pretty much perfection. Yeah. It kind of feels like he deserves that kind of, um, that moment in his career. Yeah. Um, I would say that Bradley Cooper probably is the best chance here. I haven't, yeah, like you, I haven't seen much Paul Giamatti, but Bradley Cooper, it just feels like such an Oscar Beatty role. Yeah. Like, have you seen images of him as Maestro? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't look like Bradley Cooper at all. Uh, he looks like really old, the makeup and hairstyle looks crazy for it. Um, I'll try find a, a picture for you in a minute, but, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think Bradley Cooper does have a strong position um, in this. I think Leonardo DiCaprio as well. He, you know, he, he's always going to be a player in this, but we've seen um, we've we've seen him lots of times be nominated and kind of feel front running or feel like he has the best performance. But yeah, he just it just always doesn't like you know come to fruition. We're always let down unless he you know goes and sleeps under thing and gets skinny and uh eats raw coal and then goes in the snow and does all this crazy <laughs> physical stuff um yes yeah, so, so that that's bradley cooper there mm. yeah i have seen that sorry yeah yes so i think with that the fact that it's a it just feels so oscary so i think he does have the best um chant but we got to see paul giamatti i guess uh actress in a leading role so the predicted nominees are Sandra Hula in Anatomy of a Fall, Greta Lee, uh, Past Lives, uh, Carrie Mulligan, she would be in um, Saltburn, I'd say, and Nellie Portman um, in May, December, and Margaret Robbie in Barbie. So I don't know why they're laughing there. Um, Nellie Portman's a predicted winner for this for May, December. So uh, first question, why are we laughing at Margaret Robbie? <laughs> and second, what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Margaret Robbie has no chance. Not not compared to like all these other actresses, even though I've only seen two. Mm. But I just think she's not quite on that level. In terms Wait, you've of seen it. four of these. Sandra Hulu. Oh, yeah, Anatomy sorry. Of Anatomy of Four. I completely yeah. forgot about that one. Yeah. Greta Lee is past lives. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was the other one I was referencing. I completely forgot I saw Barbie for a second in my oh statement. My <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I just think. The other four actresses are just on another level to what uh, Margot Robbie did. Like, obviously, Margot was fantastic in her role as Barbie. You know, she 
captivated mm-hmm. that um, performance well. Yeah. But these other actresses are just a step above. I think Natalie Portman, I agree with that and being the favorite. Mm-hmm. I really like to see Greta Lee win. I think yeah. she was, I prefer her to win. Um, I thought Natalie Portman was just somewhat of herself, really. And, mm. uh, you know, just, yeah. we didn't really see that much emotion of her until like the last half hour mm. in that film. But um, during past lives, Greta Lee, we, she was like, there was something in every scene, you know, yeah. like we could see the conflict of her and like mm-hmm. how torn she was between, you know, her childhood friend and her husband. Yeah. I think she just gave a more well-rounded and complete performance. So mm-hmm. I want her to win. Yeah. Fair enough. I would go on the opposite side of things. <laughs> uh, Sandra Hula, she's amazing. and But I think she's amazing that one scene. She really holds her own in the other scenes, though. But, you know, that kind of that argument scene. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Great stuff. Greta Lee is fantastic and well-rounded. But Nellie Portman, you know that one scene where it's just like her in the frame? Um, oh, and just talking? Yeah, and it's like yeah. a five-minute talking thing. There's so yeah. much in that. And it's really... I, th- I think that's yeah. a scene that would probably win it for her. Oh, 100%. If, yeah. if that scene wasn't there, she would, I don't think she'd have a chance. Yeah, yeah. She she is really good in um, all the other sides of it. But yeah, that, that one scene, and particularly in the last half now, she is really strong and we've seen it time time again when it's like a certain moment that kind of steals the whole uh show for an actor yeah um but i think you are right that gridley gives a well-rounded performance but i just think nelly portman was better because of what she did in that that really long one scene i think was just amazing stuff um but yeah it's gonna be good it's a good year for best actress as well um yeah, we'll move on to actor in a supporting role. So the predicted nominees, Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, John Magiero, and Charles Melton. Um, yeah, what, what, who do you think will win here? Is De Niro for Killers? Yes. I want RDJ to win, you know. He was, he literally gave the career best performance and he literally, mm. like, broke this, like, Everyone, whenever they hear Robert Downey Jr., they just sing off Iron Man, especially nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think. Will, um, sorry, I'll just jump in here. Um, so, John Magaro is the husband in Past Lives, and Charles Melton is the husband in May December. Oh. Yeah. So we've seen four four of these. Looking forward to the last one, who is um, uh, an historic actor. Yeah. Yeah. I did, <clears throat> I did like Charles Melton. I mm. thought he was really, really good in um, May, December. Um, yeah. Now that you pointed it out. And mm-hmm. I think just, you know, just the way he portrayed his character of like that sort of person that's never been like exposed to the real world, but was under the shackles of an older woman. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? It, it's a very good performance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he played that absolutely perfectly. And like mm-hmm. his, his hobby was, can be seen as somewhat childish, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. um, something that you do like in primary school, intermediate mm-hmm. or I don't know, first to fourth grade yeah. for you States people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really want Downey Jr. to win. Um, mm. Once I see Colors of the Flower Moon, I'm, I'm sure no doubt Robert Downey, uh, not Robert Downey, Robert De Niro would um, take it away. But I think, yeah. I think Downey Jr.'s, portrayal in Oppenheimer's 
fantastic. Like mm. you can see like his stress and like his anger and his resentment, his yeah. cockiness off like, oh yeah, I've got this in the bag. And yeah. then just like when he suddenly loses, he just does like this little tick with his with his face and he's just like fuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm I'm basically with you on this one. I really did like Robert Downey Jr. just because he he runs so far away from the shadow of Iron Man in this. And it's a very hard thing to do when you've played a role for so long and for audiences to just be um, <clears throat> captivated um, in a different performance from you. And I think he did that perfectly, yeah. Ryan Gosling, I just, I don't get it. At least not for an Oscar contending level. Yeah. He was great, but it was just kind of like, it wasn't funny, like. It wasn't cool, yeah. best supporting. I, think, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he'll get nominated. If he does going to get mm. nominated, it's because there's no one else. Yeah, because I I just didn't get it. Like obviously we saw those um, reactions before the film. Mm. You're like, oh yeah, but when we actually watched it, he was just like, he just committed goof, really. Yeah, I, I think John McGarrow is a good um, addition to this list as well. Um, he doesn't really have any time to shine, but going back to what Celine Song said in the Q and A that we attended, um, that conversation in the bar, and he's kind of just sitting there the entire time. The camera is rolling just on his face for the entirety of it. And just, I think the way he um, listens and reacts to the conversation between um, two other people, I yeah. think it's just, it's just done really subtly and it's just really good. And I think it's well-rounded by, by the end of it. Um, yeah, I, I th- he was completely convincing in the role and it really felt, it just felt so real. Um, but I would even make the argument that the, um, childhood friend even deserves a spot to, yeah. or deserves to be in the conversation. That's what I was thinking yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, otherwise, Charles Martin might be a second favorite of mine. There, there's that argument between him and I thought he was just so good in it, but the way he carries himself, it's just so different to adults. Yeah. And you feel that and you kind of understand that. It's just really interesting because as that movie develops, you kind of start understanding what's happened and it starts to unravel itself. But from the get-go, in his performance, you can see something's just slightly off. And I thought it was just a neat way he played it, more so with body language than big scenes, as Robert Downey Jr. does. But yeah, I think Robert Downey Jr. is just great. Uh, we move on now to actress in a supporting role. So, uh, predicted nominees, Emily Blunt, uh, Viola Davis in Ear, America Ferreira in Barbie, Lily Gladstone in Clizzle the Flower Moon and Julian Moore in May December. So the predicted winners to be Lily Gladstone in Clizzle the Flower Moon. And we have seen all of these ones. Yeah. Not Colors of the Flower Moon. Oh shoot. Yeah. Damn, I got excited. <laughs> it's because it's in bold. So like um, yeah, okay. We haven't seen all of them, but again, we've seen four out of five. Um we just keep missing out on the predicted winners, which is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do you think? That actually is so annoying. Yeah, I know. And the predictive winners always seem to be Killer of the Flower Moon. Yeah. I can see, just based on that trailer, that Lily Gladstone is going to be a standout in this film. Mm-hmm. And I, just based on the trailer, I can see her winning Yeah, uh, supporting actress. Mm-hmm. I think Emily Blunt, she was fantastic, but she didn't really have a significant sort of moment. The only moment was at the end when she was... Um, going back and forth with the lawyer. Yeah. I think that was probably the scene that made her in contention. Yeah. The only other one that I could see challenging Lily Gladstone would probably be Julianne Moore. 
I thought she was just fantastic. She's good. Uh, yeah. She was so good just in terms of like that, you know, that sort of toxic sort of mm. um, housewife, yeah. but then like not understanding or not like understanding like her husband's feelings and mm-hmm. whatnot and just wanting to focus on her children. Yeah. And, um, and, her, and her lisp as well. And her lisp as yeah, well. Like, just... I, yeah, it's when well, we said it before, like it's mm. just a well rounded performance from her. So I think yeah. she is a very strong contender. If it's mm-hmm. not Lady Gladstone, just, yeah. Um, I think America Ferrer gets nominated uh, similar to Emily Blunt. It's that one monologue scene um, that kind of gets her over the line. And I do agree with Emily Blunt. I think it's that one scene as well that's going to get her into contention as well. Viola Davis in Air, I thought she was great, but I can't remember it. It's not really rememberable to be in contention here. Yeah. I do find that one to be an odd one, but Viola Davis is an Academy of Favorite and she's great. And I do remember her being well, but yeah. Um, Lily Gladstone seems to already have this one locked up, it seems. Julian Moore could surprise her. Really, it's going to be really interesting to see where May-December goes. I, I didn't really see it um, as a a big contender um, prior to seeing it, or I didn't know it was going to be a big contender prior to when we saw it that night or Saturday night, yeah. Has Emily Blunt won an Oscar before? Mm, no, I don't think so. They could do, she's they could, nominated. They could do a whole Jamie Lee Curtis and just give it to her. No, because Jamie Lee Curtis has like been around forever. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to give it to anyone else um, besides Lily Gladstone at this point. Yeah. Uh, original screenplay predicted nominees are Barbie, The Holdovers, May December, Past Lives, and Saltburn. And predicted winner is to be Barbie. What do you think, now? We've seen three. We haven't seen all of them. I know you don't have to justify. <laughs> I'm going to keep justifying. Barbie is interesting. I thought it was a it was a decent screenplay, but I think May December, Past Lives is just that notch above especially past lives just the way the whole story and mm-hmm. unravels and the emotion and then especially that ending you know that we still don't know what the main character is going to do yeah and until the very like last 30 seconds mm-hmm. um so that would be my pick to win best original screenplay yeah um, if not may december second for sure because mm-hmm. that was um as i did find that film boring and you'll hear about it <laughs> um, but i still thought it was a fantastic film and yeah. the screenplay was really good but mm-hmm. barbie as a winner is just a shock i think it's just going because it's so popular right now yeah it's just taking away attention from what is actually a really good screenplay which is past lives and mm. may december yeah it, it's like we said in the um review for barbie it's so full of really good and compelling ideas but none of them stick because none of them are focused on and the film kind of starts off like not really exploring anything um it's just kind of a fun adventure at this point and then it really dives into the ideas and themes kind of midway through the movie and by the end of it you're not really left with anything to think about because the movie is very direct in what it wants to say there's no subtlety to it uh past lives and may december do hold that subtlety factor that you do think about it afterwards um, I strongly disagree that May December is boring. Um, the, I found it boring. The screenplay, yeah, no, <laughs> it's just my, yeah, my, 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 my take. But I, I think May December uh, should take this one away. I think it's just very intricate, um, very complex characters, and just it gets to um, really deep kind of hu- human nature, um, and, and just a, a really bizarre way to to get to that conclusion but yeah it's just so so real 
And power slides is very, very real and very human, but in a, in a completely different way, but more of a, more of a, uh, a calm and somber way. I think just made us has so much layers and uh, complexities over it that you can really dig deep into that movie. But uh, we're still waiting on Saltburn and Hollywood holdovers. It could be an interesting uh, category by the year's end. Uh, adapted screenplay. So the predicted nominees here is Dumb Money, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and The Zone of Interest. Predicted winner is Killers of the Flower Moon. Thoughts? If it doesn't get delayed, Dune will be here. I, f- I feel. Mm-hmm. I 100% feel that. I yeah. think maybe Spider-Man might take its place. Wait, no. It will take Spider-Man's place. Right. Um, yeah. Just because across the Spider-Verse, you know, it's that sort of part one sort of thing. Like it was a fantastic screenplay and whatnot, but mm-hmm. it's still somewhat incomplete where Doom yeah. Part 2 is apparently, you know, it's the ending of part one. Mm. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon. I wouldn't be surprised if this wins, but again, we've only seen two, yeah. two of these films. Yeah. So I Based on what I've seen, I'll go Oppenheimer because Oppenheimer. I think cause that, I, yeah, yeah, because that was just a fantastic adaption of Robert J. Oppenheimer. Like it was an actual character study on him. Mm, yeah, like we mentioned it before in the review. Like Killian Murphy is in ninety nine percent of that film. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. and it was just fantastic. So I think Killers of the Flower Moon needs to be something absolutely brilliant yeah. for it to beat Oppenheimer. Yeah, and it is kind of um two powerhouses going at it because yes. they're both really long movies, screenplay heavy. Yeah. So they, they, it's kind of like Battle of the Titans for this one. I, the, I, the new Barbenheimer. New Barbenheimer. Killerheimer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Killerheimer. Gosh. Um, open Moon. Um, That's actually better than Killerheimer. Open Moon. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't really see anything contending with those. So I think, yeah, they are the heavyweights of this. Across the Spider-Verse, I don't get it. Um, it's too much of a part one. Yeah. To really be in contention. Dumb money could be interesting. Um, but that has the potential to be either really great or really shit. Mm-hmm. Um it, it could be like kind of like the social network or on a screenplay level, just because of you know, it's dealing with um modern digital kind of yeah. yeah stuff. Um so if it's written really well, then it, I think it it could stand a chance. But yeah, I'm gonna give my um, I'll, I'll bet on Killers and Oppenheimer before anything else. Would you agree that um, if Dune doesn't get alert, get delayed or get in this category? Oh yes, it should because I don't think Spider Verse could hold that momentum while Dune, if Dune's around. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, and Aquaman, throw that in there too. Right. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Open Man, <laughs> Aquaheim. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'll, this is the stuff I put up with on a daily basis, guys. No, no, no. Off, off the podcast, he deals with a lot worse. I'm my best self on this podcast. Um, which probably isn't saying much. Um, Michael, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm great. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> move on Next. to best animated feature. <laughs> the predicted nominees are Elemental. Nimona, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the Super Mario Bros. movie, and Wish. Now, Nimona, I think, is on Netflix. It's rated yeah. very highly. Yeah. yeah. I think people are loving it, but... It's, it's on my watch list, list, yeah. Oh, really? Mm. Our watch list now. Um, <sighs> yeah. So, okay, who, who do you think should win this one? It's 
because we're kind of criticizing Spider-Verse a little bit throughout these. I think it is very clear Spider-Verse will win it. I think this mm. is, because in, in the other categories, it was, you know, like best picture. When have we ever seen an animated film nominated for best picture? I can't remember. what. Unless... Toy Story 3 did. I, I think Inside Out. Um, I, think, I think it might be only one or two besides that. It's very rare. Yeah. yeah, and those were like you know a complete story, mm-hmm. but I think that this is the this is the category where it get it wins like it dominates. Yes, um, Super Mario Brothers movie. I, why is that there apart from because it made like, over a billion dollars? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> if anything, because we haven't seen it yet, and if it is anything as good as people say it is, I think uh, Ninja Turtles could be in there and it True. could could replace that. Yep. Um, and if it is actually fantastic, then it could probably give Across the Spider-Verse a run for its money. Mm-hmm. But I think this is literally, it's to lose at this point. It was just a fantastic, it was a fantastic animated film in terms of not only the animation, but the character development and the story and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. the cliffhanger, cliffhanger ending as well. Yeah. It's just, you can pretty much lock it in. It's like Avatar, you know, Absolutely. For, for visual effects. I, w- I wouldn't lock it in that much, but I would lock it in. Um, <laughs> when it comes to animated feature, you got to consider the animated component and yeah. what is the best animation that Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here. Nimona, Netflix movie. What won last year, a Netflix movie. It could, make, it could be a surprise dark horse, and I've heard really good things about it. Um, I, don't, I don't think Elemental, but you never know. Pixar. Um, I think there's always a Disney and a Pixar film in these categories. Yeah, and they usually win. Um, we don't know what Wish is going to be. Wish could just turn out to be amazing, or it could be bad. Uh, a player that could replace Mario Bros. is Migration um, by Illumination. That might have some potential there. That's the only one I can really think of. Um, oh, other than uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, of course. So it will be interesting, but it's going to be a good category. But yeah, I do, I do think you're right that Across Spider-Verse is going to be a clear front runner yeah. through the entirety of the way. Because Into the Spider-Verse mm. won, right? When it, when yes. It was, yeah. But I do think that if there is a category that could be a big surprise that no one sees coming, it could be animated. They could, and everyone's going to be so mad about it, but it, it could happen. I'd love Ninja Turtles to like upset. Mario, be- Mario Bros. upsets? That I think that is the biggest upset in film history. That would be a fun podcast to do. That would be a fun just because of how <laughs> like critically shat on it got. Yeah, because isn't it rotten? I'm pretty sure it's rotten. It's like fifty. Yeah, and it oh, wow. <laughs> that would be a fun podcast. Yeah, it would. It would be a fun podcast. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a good podcast anyway because there's some really good stuff in there. Um, best production design. The predicted nominees are Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro. Napoleon and Oppenheimer. Predicted winner is Oppenheimer. Just uh, so much good stuff. And now, what do you yeah. what do you think on this one? I could see it. I also see Barbie winning. I mean, mm. the sets in that was absolutely fantastic. I mean, yeah. and again, the fact that they run the world dry of pink paint uh-huh. is another story. But then you also have containers like Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon, very like somewhat time. Uh, time period based movies. Yeah. Production is always fantastic in those sort of settings mm-hmm. as well. Even Oppenheimer is a time period movie. Yeah. 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 So um, I think it, this is going to be a really tight category between mm-hmm. those four. Haven't seen Maestro yet. So yeah. once we see it, that could be a contender. But mm-hmm. I really like all these nominations here. And, and yeah. for Dark Horse, I think Napoleon could do it. 
Napoleon, yeah. If if Napoleon has to be good for it to yeah. make a play here. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, man, I see kind of equal. It's kind of like 20% per one here. Yeah. 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 Because Barbie is a very compelling case, but then killers would have a really compelling case as well. Oppenheimer, they built a new Los Alamos. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. And so, and, and then Maestro, it's obviously going to have good stuff for them. Napoleon already looks fantastic. So, oh man, it's, it's a tight one. I'm looking forward to that category. I'm looking forward to the next one as well, which is Best Cinematography. So, the predicted nominees are Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, mm-hmm. and The Zone of Interest. Um, the fact that I'm hearing Zone of Interest gets me interested. Um because I haven't heard of it until I saw these nominees today. Oh, peaks of interest. Yeah. Huh? I said it peaks of interest. Puts me in a zone of interest, I'll tell you that much. Mm. Um, <laughs> so what, what, what are your thoughts on this one? Because we've only seen two of these, mm-hmm. but we've seen um, stuff from Killers and Poor Things as well in the trailers and stuff. I heard somewhere that Poor Things is, could potentially get delayed. I don't know how true those rumors I, uh, were. But... I heard that too. I said <laughs> delayed till, I did get delayed till December. I know that much. Oh, so it's still in, still in play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then also don't forget, if Dune sticks, that's automatically going to be in here, 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> It'll probably take out Zone of Interest because... Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. In produ- Oh, wait. Can we, just, can we go back to production design real quick? Dune will be a part of that too. But where? Oh, fuck. Oh, this is if, good. If, <clears throat> if Napoleon doesn't hit, yeah. I think that's... That's where it could fit in. Or Maestro. If it takes a... Okay. We'll, we'll stick with cinematography now, but yeah. Mm. But we got to remember Dune in these, in these conversations. Yeah. I think this is very similar to production design. You know, like anything mm. here could... Like, just imagine Dune releases, takes out Zone of Interest. Yeah. Any one of those five films could win. Mm. The cinematography in Oppenheimer and Past Lives is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Oppenheimer was fantastic. Past Lives was more intricate. Yeah. And really smart in its camera work. Mm-hmm. Um, poor things based on the trailer, you know, the whole different color palettes and whatnot. Fantastic. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon. It just seems like one of those movies that's going to, you know, use n- utilize natural lighting and whatnot. Yeah. You just, you just know. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's one of those very tough categories where mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad if no one won or lost mm. or, or if, if anyone won, you know, because, yeah, they all deserve it. Yeah. Even something like Maestro and Napoleon. They look like they have good cinematography as well. Yeah. Um, and I know um, A Star is one of good cinematography, so Bradley Cooper clearly has an eye for it. And, and Napoleon, the trailer looks incredible. It's going to be a tough category. I mean, a lot of these are turned out to be quite tough. Um, we'll move on to the next one, though, now. Uh, best costume design. So the predicted nominees are Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Wonka. Ah. Um. What are your thoughts on these ones? Mm, I'm just I'm surprised Napoleon's not on here. Yes, that's true. Because if it was, I'd probably say that would be my pick just based on that one trailer. You yeah. Know? Just and, the costumes and that is fantastic. And think about Dune as well. And, oh, yeah. it, okay, these technical ones are just so, like, tight. Like, <laughs> who knows? Good, yeah. Um, Barbie winning. Yeah, Barbie's predicted to win. I can't get on board with that. I think, oh, like, I can see why it would win. Yeah. Like, and don't get me wrong, it does have good costume design, but I think stuff like because of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Napoleon, especially, would mm-hmm. have way better yeah. um, costume design than Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, even Wonka could, you know, 
Surprise, Surprise yeah. Surprise, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you on that one. It's it's a tricky one. I think Barbie has really great costume design, but it, it's not the kind of costume design where I would look, be like, oh, the Academy's gonna love this. They're gonna mm. vote for this and make it win. Even though it's great, and I would say it's probably probably one of my favorites here. Oppenheimer. It has it's it's good, but a lot of it's just you know, suits. Um yeah. yeah, but it's all very um fits all in with uh you know the the era of it all um and you kind of have Oppenheimer's look in a sense uh Killers of the Flower Moon that's going to be great um as you know Maestro I don't really know enough about it to comment Wonka could be a good surprise Dune's obviously going to make a play for it and yeah you're, you're completely right I think Napoleon I think Napoleon it has to be a great movie and get a lot of momentum to be in these kind of categories. Mm-hmm. But just, yeah, from what we saw in that trailer and um, kind of the era that takes place, and I'm surprised it's not even in this. Yeah. Um, but it will be in our predictions. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on now to best film editing. So predicted nominees are Air, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Saltburn. Uh, predicted winner is Oppenheimer. Thoughts? That's going to be the winner. Think so? I think so. I mean, I don't know why Barbie's or Air is nominated there. I thought the air, the editing was good, but not really Oscar worthy, you know. But with um, Oppenheimer, it was just fantastic, you know, like split it, like having two different stories happen at the same time, mm. but then be so completely apart. Yeah. It was fantastic. And the way uh-huh. Nolan like made it catch up and then blend into the courtroom sort yeah. of area, <clears throat> era is, was fantastic. And it, and those three hours flew by. Mm. Like, I was expecting more when those credits were ended. I was like, no way. Yeah. Like, this has to be more for this. So, mm. I think Oppenheimer is, it will be my clear favorite for editing. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm completely on board with that. Yeah, Oppenheimer had so much different uh, time periods. And he, he just blends it perfectly together. Because it really does showcase all of Oppenheimer's life, even his early like, yeah. university stages. And then you know you obviously got the creation, and then the all the trials and legal stuff afterwards, and even his um, late life as well. Barbie, I don't really know why yeah. that would be considered. It it was fine, nothing special. I think Air has a really neat kind of nineties um, energy to its editing and pacing. Not much where I would consider it to be a, a best film editing. Um, but all of these are better picks than Bohemian Rhapsody, which won Best Editing. So um, I'm ne- happy with all of them regardless. You'll never let, let that down. I never will because there's that one scene where it cuts like 12 times in a minute. It just It's not Best Editing. Killers of the Flower Moon, don't forget that's about uh, three and a half hours. If that can be a... I don't know if you're saying, oh my God, it's like a bad thing or a good thing. A good thing. A good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time, but it's just... Oh, it's, it's good. Um... If they can make that kind of seamless in the way that Oppenheimer did, I think it could be a really strong contender as well. Um, yeah, next category, best makeup and hairstyling. So predicted nominees are Barbie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, reach for the bottom of the barrel here, um, Maestro, and then Priscilla. Our predicted nominee is Maestro, and that's going to win. What are your thoughts? If doing gets nominated, Hunger Games is can fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And then it'll pretty much be a battle between Maestro, Dune, and Barbie, I reckon. Um, I think the 
the mm. makeup in Barbie is very Barbie-like. You know, yeah. like, I hope people know what I mean by that, but it's like exactly what you think from mm. a Barbie film, you know? Hairstyling. And the yeah. hairstyling as well, like each Barbie and each Ken had a different look to them. Yeah. Um, so that brought some uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only basing my opinion off Maestro based on that one image you showed me, but the yeah. fact that that doesn't look like Bradley Cooper is very similar to how Colin Farrell didn't look like the Penguin and mm-hmm. that should have won. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd I'll be full on board for Maestro to win because um, mm-hmm. no doubt there'll be more. Yeah. More than that. Uh-huh. Um, otherwise, Dune. You got so many characters. I mean, Dune. Yeah. Is it Bill Skarsgård? Bill Skarsgård. No. Are you thinking of um, Austin Butler, where it's just that white? Yeah, thing? Uh, Austin yeah. Butler, but also Bill Skarsgård as the mm-hmm. main bad guy, the the big guy. Oh uh, yeah. As well, he he looks quite different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot in here. Austin yeah. Butler looks like um, Matt Smith in these trailers. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> if Dune makes it, it has to get nominated and potentially win just based on that fact alone. Yeah. Like, make an actor look completely like a different actor. <laughs> Damn, I'm looking forward to that movie. It's going to be good. Um, I would like to make a case for Oppenheimer. Um, I thought they had very good makeup and, and hairstyling. Hairstyling um, akin to the era, but the makeup, especially throughout the different time periods, oh, yeah. making Killing Murphy look much younger. And then as he aged throughout the entire story, I thought it was just really good. Um, and then you got um, Gary Oldman as President Truman in there. I'm still baffled. Yeah. Nane didn't even know that Gary Oldman was <laughs> in this movie at all. And I said it the other night, I'm like, he looks unrecognizable in the movie. And you're like, well, Gary Oldman's in it. And the <laughs> fact that they can slip such a like a, a well-known actor past you through makeup and hairstyling. It's insane. It, it's insane. And I think it speaks to the quality. And, and saying that, I, I don't know what Priscilla is. I can't judge that. Uh, Hunger Birds, I don't even know why that's even being mentioned here. I think Oppenheimer will actually uh, get, will actually have a plan here. Mm. Um, Guns of the Galaxy Volume 3, that, that's fine. They're always pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, move on to best sound now. Um, okay, so predicted nominees are Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and The Zone of Interest. Um, yeah, so thoughts on this one? Dune doesn't get delayed. It, <clears throat> it gets in there and it's a two-race contender between Oppenheimer and Dune, yeah. for sure. Who would win? I have no idea, but... If that's a two-horse race, if either of them won, I won't complain because Oppenheimer's sound was absolutely fantastic. Sorry, when you say sound, does that include score or just sound design and editing? Yeah, it's sound, yeah sound editing, sound mixing. They combine the two. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even then, just, you know, the whole fact that it had for Oppenheimer, that mm-hmm. you see test blasts, you see the visual fist, and then you hear the sound, Yeah, that is very realistic. Yeah. And then the same thing when, mm-hmm. well, it's been out for three weeks, so spoilers. Yeah. But, yeah. When when the Trinity test happens, mm. you see it happen. Yeah, you, you feel what's happening. Yeah, and then you hear it. Yeah, so I think the explosion comes in. Yeah, yeah, I think the sound editing in that is fantastic. And then you know you have all those little little bits here and there mm-hmm. in terms of like the feet part, stomping part, and, and all that. Yeah, particles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But if Dune doesn't get delayed, mm. that is going to give Oppenheimer a big run for its money just based off the first Dune because that sound, the sound design and editing in that was fantastic. So mm. I think it could be a two-horse two horse race between Oppenheimer and Doom. Yeah, yeah. Complete, completely see that, eh? Um, I mean, Maestro, it's kind of, um, you know, it's musical-based. Um, so sound mixing comes quite heavily into that. Yeah. I think that could be a good player as well. Again, if Napoleon 
is as good as it looks, then it could actually come in there and make a play. I know what you're looking at. I know why you're going to laugh. We're going to get to that soon. That's the next category. Um, <laughs> um, we'll just move on to the next category. But yes, I, I do think Oppenheim is going to win. If Dune's in there, then it's, yeah, it's going to be a close one. Um, all right. Best visual effects. So the predicted nominees are Blue Beetle, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Indiana Jones and Zala Destiny, The Little Mermaid, and Transformers Rise of the Beast. It's been a tough year for visual effects, <laughs> but yeah, Nane can't hold in his laughter, so take it away, man. What, what are your thoughts on this? First of all, the fact that Little Mermaid's winning. Oh, yes, uh, Little Mermaid's predicted to win. It does get worse, by the way. And remember, we haven't seen Blue Beetle. I know, but we've seen the trailers for it. <laughs> Guardians, like, out, out of these ones, that's not Guardians is the clear winner. It's the best by far, yeah. By far. Uh-huh. If Dune comes in, it's going to shit on everything. Yes. Or it should do. Yeah. yeah. I even think Oppenheimer should be nominated in this category. you got the use of practical and limited CGI effects as mm-hmm. well. you yeah. got that. Um, oh, fuck. I feel even Gran Turismo is something that can be put in here. <laughs> and just in terms of racing. Like, ugh. Why is Transformers and Indiana Jones here? They they were horrible CGI based. <laughs> Even the Little Mermaid. I mean, the creature, not the creatures, the sea life like flounder looked horrendous. <laughs> it's just and it's favorite to win. Well, yeah. no, Dirt, please just release Dune so I can sweep this. Like, <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a weird category, but yeah, I, I just tried to have a look a brief look at what could, and there is not much. Um, mm. That are like, well, this is like this visual effects contender. Um, I, I liked Transformers: Rise of the Beast, but there is some stuff in there that's like not good. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Jones, I think for the most parts are good, but there are some stuff again that's not that great. Uh, Little Mermaid, I think for the most part it's good, and for how CGI based it has to be, I think it does good with that. But these aren't like best visual effects. Like when you hear like. The Oscars and best visual effects you hear, you think of like Avatar. really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, Avatar, I mean, Guardians Galaxy 3, I thought was really good. Me too. And that's the only one here that I would uh, really root for. I think Dune 2 would, yeah, is, would make a play on this. Otherwise, um, yeah, the creator could be, could make a play. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could be good. And then just round it out with some other good ones. I think perhaps, um, not Wonka. Um. Yeah, I I think you might be right. Something like rounded out with um Napoleon, Oppenheimer. How they use like practical effects and combine that with visual effects. Yeah. But I, I think Nolan's uh anti CGI thing will kind of uh allow and like, under that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll see that come to fruition. <laughs> um. But if Bluebeard is nominated, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna root for that just because it'd be funny if it won. Biggest underdog ever. Yeah. I, I just still can't believe that Variety think Little Mermaid's going to win it over Guardians. Like, Guardians had way better CGI than yeah. any of these films. Mm. It, it is a weird choice, I think, because, uh, actually, I have no clue at all. Because water and that's still on the way of water vibe. <laughs> but it's so different. Yeah, I know. Um, and under that logic, Aquaman should be in there as well. But, hey, it could be worse if we nominated for The Flash. Um <laughs> The, the Flash CGI. Oh, but remember, the CGI was done on purpose for that. 
Oh, so the Academy will know that it's on purpose yeah. and see the brilliant use of it. <laughs> All right, on to the last one that we're going to be covering now. Best original score, the predicted nominees for this is Elemental, Next Girl Wins, Oppenheimer, Priscilla, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Our predicted winner is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And obviously, if Doom does come out, uh, expect that to be a nomination. Stomach opening line. Pardon? I said stomach opening line. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be mad about Across the Spider-Verse winning, but I think Oppenheimer just had the overall better score. Yeah. I think the, the score for Oppenheimer puts you into that film mm-hmm. and you can feel it. You can just feel everything. You can feel the tension when they're about to do the Trinity test. You can, yeah. You can feel like the conflict um, mm. between um, Oppenheimer and the the end scene. You know, you have the score coming and that final conversation between Einstein and um, yeah. Oppenheimer. You you feel the ramifications of what they've done throughout mm-hmm. that that dialogue and especially the final literally ten seconds. Yeah, I think. The score, the way that the score accompanies this movie is mm-hmm. the best for the year. Yeah. But I think because Across the Spider-Verse is so memorable, it mm-hmm. could take it out. But I think this is Oppenheimer's. Yeah. Um, unless Dune comes at Dune is part of this, then mm. I think it will be a two-horse race between Oppenheimer and Dune. My argument against Dune, and I haven't seen it, of course, would be that part one already won. And if it's too similar, then I think we'll get the nomination regardless, but I don't think it would win just because it's kind of same but different. So it has to be kind of really different for it to impress the Academy to vote it above Spider-Verse or Oppenheimer. But regardless of if the movie, when the com- movie comes out, it will be nominated. Yeah, Oppenheimer and Spider-Verse, it's a tough one. I, I love both scores. <clears throat> I have so many tracks from both in my um, uh, your soundtrack playlist. So, yeah, it's really a two-horse race between the two. I would probably say Oppenheimer, just the way it supports the movie and the experience and scale of the movie. I think it does that really well. There's just, yeah, so many tracks that are just, like, you know, anxiety-inducing and, yeah, yeah, really kind of get you into the head of Oppenheimer. But Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse plays really well with, you know, motives and mixing those together to really give a sense of character. So there's just so much love about both. But yeah, it's going to be tight. I don't remember Elemental specifically, but I remember the score being good in it. So I do expect that to be in there. Um, I still don't know what Priscilla is. I've never heard of that. And Next Goal Wins. Who knows? Who knows, yeah. If that doesn't get delayed also. Conventionally. Yeah, they are thinking of delaying that one too, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that movie will never be released. (laughs) I've been hearing about this movie for years, I feel like. Yeah, I think ever since before COVID, it was somewhere on our honorable mentions for top 10 2022. Yeah. Then it moved into least anticipated at some point along the way after Love and Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that is going to do it for us today on today's episode. And we hope that you enjoyed today's discussions as much as we did. Uh, We clocked in over two hours for this one. So quite a a meaty podcast. I think that whole last topic was an hour. It was good, yeah, but it gets me really excited for Oscar season now. Yeah, like there's gonna, it's gonna be really uh competitive, which is good because the last couple of years it's been like really easy to kind of know which ones are gonna win and stuff like that. Yeah, to get a stacked best picture race is gonna be gonna be a good time. Um, but yeah, to you guys, thank you for so uh so much for tuning into us. Your support and engagement does mean a lot to us. 
you liked what you heard today, follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider giving us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it. Stay connected with us on Twitter and YouTube as well. Before we say goodbye, we just want to hear your thoughts. Did you agree with our discussions today? Flick us a message on, at MovieGains and share your perspective. For 4K movie reviews, box office analysis, and award season coverage, visit MovieGains.com. Also, you can sign up to our weekly email newsletter to stay up to date with all of our content. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Keep bringing the hype. Peace. See you later.